My name is Rick Renner, and today I'm standing on Palace Square in St. Petersburg, Russia, in front of the majestic Winter Palace. A palace so big that if you count the entire complex, it has 2,511,000 square feet. My friend, that's quite a house. And right in the very heart of this palace is a church called the Great Church of the Winter Palace. And I love to go there because it's just so impressive. It was closed for years because of reconstruction, but finally it's open. If you ever come to St. Petersburg, be sure that you visit the interior of the Great Church of the Winter Palace. The interiors are covered with more than 11 pounds of gold. The interiors are magnificent marbles, precious stones, silver, gold, icons, an amazing painting on the ceiling of the ascension of Jesus. It is just magnificent to see these embellishments. But when I see those physical embellishments, I think about the spiritual embellishments which God has really given the church. God's gifts to us are not gold and silver. They are the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the blood of Jesus, the power of God, the Word of God. These are real spiritual embellishments. When you study what God did in the church of Corinth, you find the church of Corinth was overflowing with these kinds of spiritual embellishments. But my question for you today is, was that a pattern for the rest of the church? Or was that just an anomaly that was true of Corinth? Was it an anomaly? Or is that really God's pattern for you and me as well? I think today you're going to discover it was not an anomaly. It was God's pattern for the church. God wants to really embellish us with spiritual treasures. And that is what I'm going to talk to you about today. Stay tuned for a teaching you can trust, a message that will inspire, strengthen and equip you with vital insights and understanding from the Word of God. Here is Rick. Welcome to today's program. My name is Rick Runner, and I want to say thank you for letting me come into your space and thank you for making time for me to be with you today as we look at why we need the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And today we're wrapping up this teaching. We need the gifts of the Holy Spirit. My friend, they're called the gifts of the Holy Spirit. They come from the Spirit of God. And if they're from the Spirit of God, we need them. They're good for us. God gave them to us because they would bring a benefit to us. In fact, the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are the manifestation of the Spirit. That word manifestation, the Greek word phenerosis, describes something that becomes conspicuous, obvious, evident. You can see it. When the gifts of the Holy Spirit are working among us, the work of God right in front of our eyes becomes conspicuous. It brings us in touch with the supernaturalness of Jesus. That's just one reason 
why we need the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And according to 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7, the gifts of the Holy Spirit are given to every man. That word every man in Greek is the word hekestos, everyone, no one excluded, which means if you're born again and called Jesus the Lord of your life, God intends for you to flow in and experience these supernatural manifestations. And that's why I want you to order my brand new series called Why We Need the Gifts of the Holy Spirit. And today is the last day that we're offering this on the program. Please order this. It's 10 parts. It comes in multiple formats. It is just jam-packed with teaching that will enrich your life and open you up to a flow of the Holy Spirit's power in your life. And it comes with a study guide. And the study guide is loaded with all the points, the principles, the Greek words, everything in these programs is also in the study guide. I work so hard on these study guides because I want to lay a banquet table in front of you. So order the series and order the study guide at the same time. You can do that by going online or by giving us a call. And right now we're also offering you my book by the same title, Why We Need the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Listen just a few of the chapters. A fresh look at the gifts of the Holy Spirit. What exactly are the gifts of the Holy Spirit? How many gifts of the Holy Spirit are too many? God wants to use you in spiritual gifts. And let's be logical about this. This book is just amazing. You'll read it from cover to cover. And by the time that you're finished, you're going to have a fresh understanding about spiritual gifts and how you can partner with God to see these manifestations in your life or in your church. So please order yours today. And remember that if you need prayer, we want to pray with you. We really mean that. If you'll reach out to us by sending us an email or giving us a call, the moment we hear from you and know how to pray for you, we're going to begin to explicitly pray for you according to your expressed desire, believing Matthew 18, 19, which says, if two of you will agree as touching anything, I will do it. We will agree with you in prayer and Jesus will move in your life. I believe that and we're waiting to hear from you right now. So send us your email or give us a call and we're going to put our faith together with you. But hey, reach for your Bible. And today we're going to return to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 1. And I want to ask you, was the church of Corinth a divine pattern for all of us? Or was it just an anomaly that was specific to the church of Corinth? That's what we're going to be looking at today. But we're going to return to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1, where Paul says to the Corinthians, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you to be ignorant. That verse is amazing to me because this was a church that knew a lot about spiritual gifts. And yet Paul wanted them to know even more. He said, brethren, I would not have you to be ignorant. That word ignorant is actually the Greek word genosis, which means to know. With an A on the front, it reverses the condition. It describes someone that is ignorant, somebody that does not know, and sometimes it even portrays a willful ignorance. This word could be used to describe people who say, oh, I'm just afraid of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I don't want to go there. I'm afraid of what will happen in our church if they begin to move in our church. What will people say? What will people think? And so they just stay away from it. Well, the Apostle Paul says in this verse, don't let that be you. You do not need to be ignorant when it comes to the operation of spiritual gifts. But today I'm going to deviate 
from the subject of spiritual gifts just for a moment and talk to you about water baptism and communion. You say, what in the world does water baptism and communion have to do with the subject of spiritual gifts? Well, in just a moment, you'll understand why I'm making this point. For 2,000 years, the church has devoutly practiced water baptism and communion. We hold these to be holy acts of faith in the church. But if you study all the verses in the New Testament about water baptism and all the verses in the New Testament about communion compared to the vast number of verses in the New Testament about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, you will be quite shocked to see there are many more verses in the New Testament about the gifts of the Holy Spirit and how to operate in those gifts than there are about the two revered subjects of water baptism and communion, for example. If you study the entire New Testament on the subject of water baptism, you will find there are 16 passages with 23 references in the New Testament about water baptism. They can be found in Matthew 3, 13 to 16, Matthew 28, verse 19, Mark 16, 16, Luke 3, 7, verse 21, Luke 7, 29, John 4, 1, Acts 2, 38 to 41, Acts 8, verse 12, 13, 38 and 39, Acts 9, 18, Acts 10, 48, Acts 16, verses 15 and 33, Acts 19, verse 5, Romans 6, verses 3 to 5, 1 Corinthians 1, 15 to 17, 1 Corinthians 15, 29, and Ephesians 4, 5. In those 16 passages, water baptism is referred to 23 times. Only 23 times. Yet for 2,000 years, the church has dogmatically taught that every true disciple of Jesus Christ must be water baptized on the basis of 23 references in the entire New Testament. And none of us would question the importance of water baptism, even with the minimal number of verses that address the subject in the New Testament. And what is even more amazing is in those 16 passages and 23 references, there is not a single verse to give us practical instruction about how to water baptize people. Not one single verse that gives us practical instruction. You would think as something as important as water baptism would come with a lot of instruction but there's not a single verse in the New Testament giving us instruction about how to water baptize people. But hold on, what about communion? Well, if you study the entire New Testament, you will find there are seven passages with 28 references to the subject of communion in the New Testament. And those references can be found in Matthew 26, 26 to 29, Mark 14, 22 to 25, Luke 22, 19 and 20, John 13, 2, Acts 2, 42, 
1 Corinthians 10, 16 to 21, and 1 Corinthians 11, verses 23 to 33. That's it. Those are all the verses in the New Testament that deal with the subject of communion. Yet we believe in communion. We practice it dogmatically with heartfelt faith. None of us want to miss a communion service because we believe in communion. And no one would argue about the vital role that communion plays in the church, and it has played a central role in the church since the day of Pentecost. But as amazing as all that is, it's even more amazing to me that in all of those references, there is not a single verse that instructs us how to serve communion. You would think a subject that important would come with a lot of instruction, but there's not a single verse in the New Testament instructing us how to serve or how to receive communion. That is difficult for me to imagine. Something as central to our faith as communion, coming with no practical instruction. But now, let's go to the subject of spiritual gifts. If you count all the verses in the New Testament that address the subject of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, which include fivefold ministry gifts in Ephesians chapter 4, motivational gifts were in, listed in Romans chapter 12, and the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit, which are listed in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And if you count all the verses that give concrete instruction about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, how to operate with the gifts of the Holy Spirit, how to conduct them decently and in order in the church, you will discover in the entire New Testament Listen to this. There are 103 verses, 103 verses on this subject scattered throughout the New Testament. They are found in Romans 1.11, Romans 12.5-8, 1 Corinthians 1.5-9, 1 Corinthians 12.1-31. That's an entire chapter. 1 Corinthians 13.1-13. That's another entire chapter. 1 Corinthians 14, 1 to 40, that's another entire chapter. Ephesians 4, 11 to 13, 1 Timothy 1, 18, 1 Timothy 4, 14, 2 Timothy 1, 6, Hebrews 2, 4, 1 Peter 4, 10 and 11. All of those places contain 103 verses about the gifts of the Holy Spirit and practical instruction about how to cooperate with them. So let me sum it up. 23 references about water baptism, 28 references about communion, and 103 verses about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, which means the New Testament is filled with explicit teaching about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, even providing practical guidelines about how they should operate in our lives and in our congregations. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 is 40 verses devoted to the practical instruction about how the gifts of the Spirit ought to operate in your life and in your church. And it is amazing to me that there's not a single verse in the New Testament about how to conduct water baptism or how to carry out communion, but there are 103 verses filled with instructions, practical guidelines about how to partner with the Holy Spirit's gifts in our lives and in our churches. So what conclusion can we draw from these comparisons? It means, listen, statistically, the New Testament addresses the operation of spiritual gifts 
please listen to this. Statistically, the New Testament discusses the operation of spiritual gifts four times more than the subject of water baptism. Statistically, the New Testament addresses the operation of spiritual gifts almost four times more than the subject of communion. Those statistics should speak volumes to us about the importance that God places on the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the role that the gifts of the Holy Spirit ought to have in our lives and in our churches. It is just amazing. Now, we believe in communion. We believe in water baptism. We practice them with deep reverence based on 23 references, 28 references. And yet the gifts of the Holy Spirit, which are referred to in 103 references, many people look at them as though they're not necessary or maybe they are optional. There's 120, 103 verses dedicated to this subject in the New Testament. And if people would look objectively at the number of scriptures that address spiritual gifts as compared to the scriptures addressing water baptism and communion, they would reach the conclusion <laughs> that the gifts of the Spirit should carry at least equal importance to these other two practices that are regularly carried out in the church. Now, let me tell you, friend, God is a good steward of everything, including space in the New Testament. And if the gifts of the Holy Spirit were going to pass away with the death of the apostles, as I had been taught when I was a young man, or if spiritual gifts were less important than other subjects mentioned in the New Testament, why then would God commit so much space in the New Testament to this subject? It is totally illogical that God would include so many verses on this subject if he knew the gifts of the Holy Spirit were going to pass away, that they were going to be short-lived, or if he thought they were optional. He simply wouldn't do it. God is a good steward of everything, including the space in the New Testament. And the very fact that God allocated so much space to this subject meant that God believed this subject was very important for you and for me. Again, the New Testament addresses spiritual gifts four times more than water baptism, almost four times more than communion. And God would not commit so much space in the scriptures to this issue if it was an optional question. God expects the gifts of the Holy Spirit to be in manifested abundance in the church for the duration of the church age. God expects for these manifestations to be in your life and in your congregation. God doesn't want us just to know about Jesus intellectually. God knows we need the gifts of the Holy Spirit because it brings the reality of Jesus to us and right into our congregations. It confirms the testimony of Jesus among us. Wow. So we have to open our hearts to this work of the Holy Spirit. And that is why Paul said in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1, hear it again, follow after love and desire spiritual gifts. You would not argue with the first part of that verse that says follow after love. You know that you're supposed to walk in love. 
You know that you're supposed to follow after love. If you believe the first part of the verse, then you have to also embrace the second part of the verse. If the first part is true, the second part is true. And the second part says, desire spiritual gifts, which means just like you are supposed to follow after love, you are supposed to desire spiritual gifts. And the word desire again means enthusiasm. It pictures passion, devotion. It depicts an eagerness to achieve or to possess something, to be fervently boiling with zealousness for the object desired. It pictures an intense desire that causes one to seek something until it is obtained, which means Paul was saying, follow after love and desire spiritual gifts until you have them manifested in your life and in your church. We are supposed to desire spiritual gifts. Now, I know you want to do the will of God, and this is the will of God explicitly stated in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1, follow after love and desire spiritual gifts, which means we've got to actively pray for and actively desire spiritual gifts to be in manifestation in our lives and in our congregations. And I know that you're crying out for God to move. You're tired of attending services where you don't see anything happening supernaturally. You're tired of the absence of the supernatural in your own life. You want to see the supernatural move of the Holy Spirit. That means you have to make room for it because the Holy Spirit only moves where we make room for Him to move. And the Apostle Paul told us, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 26, let all of these things be done unto edifying. Do it all, do it all, do it unto edifying. The word edifying, the architectural term, which means to enlarge space, to leave you in an improved condition. When we make room for all of it to be done and all these spiritual manifestations to operate among us, it spiritually enlarges us and leaves us in a spiritually improved condition condition. God gave us the gifts of the Holy Spirit, my friend, because we need them. They change us. They transform us. They bring us the testimony of Jesus. I'm out of time, but I'll be back in just a moment. And I want to pray for you. Do you see the gifts of the Holy Spirit manifested in your church services? If not, where are they? Where did they go? If God wants the gifts of the Holy Spirit to operate in your church and in your life, how can you see them activated and realized in front of your own eyes? These are the important questions that Rick Renner answers in his 10-part series, Why We Need the Gifts of the Holy Spirit. In addition, Rick answers exactly what are the gifts of the Spirit? Are they really supposed to be active in every Christian's life? Is it possible to have too many spiritual gifts? What to do if the gifts have become dormant in your life or in your church? And why we need the gifts of the Holy Spirit. This essential series is available in digital or physical formats, starting at just $20. We also want you to get Rick's accompanying companion book, Why We Need the Gifts of the Holy Spirit. This powerful, easy-to-read, 100-page book is only $10 and is loaded with easy-to-understand answers about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. By the time you're finished reading it, you'll understand that God wants the gifts of the Holy Spirit to operate in you and in every church. Wow, you'll be so thankful that you read this powerful book. Don't miss this special offer. 
the 10-part series, Why We Need the Gifts of the Holy Spirit, and the companion book, Why We Need the Gifts of the Holy Spirit. Call the number on your screen now or go to renner.org to order. Call or go online now. When Denise and I began our ministry many decades ago, the Holy Spirit gave us Romans 10, 18, which says, Yea, verily, their sound went into all the earth and their words unto the ends of the world. And in all of these decades, we've been doing our best to obey this mandate from heaven. And today, miraculously, we are reaching people clear to the very end of the earth. We're reaching people in the Russian-speaking world and millions of them. We're reaching people in the English-speaking world and large numbers of people are now reaching out to us for prayer, support, and resources. As a result of all of this growth, we need a new ministry home in Tulsa and we need to construct a new TV studio in Moscow where we can prepare teaching that will change people's lives. In Tulsa, we have no more room to grow, yet we're growing exponentially all day every day our pastoral partner care department is ministering to people from around the planet who are reaching out to us for prayer and support oh how i wish you could be there to hear the calls and see how people's lives are literally being changed and in moscow we are bursting at the seams as russian speakers from around the world are reaching out to us for prayer and for support. We're producing up to seven daily TV programs and we desperately need a larger studio to produce Bible teaching that people can trust that will change their lives. In both locations, in Tulsa and in Moscow combined, we need 50,000 square feet of new space so we can minister to the precious people God is bringing to us. And with the land, architectural plans, all furnishings, TV equipment, everything we need, the entire ministry expansion project comes to $120 a square foot. And friend, it's not about buildings. It's about having the space we need so we can effectively minister to the needs of people. We're told in Matthew 28, verse 19, go into all the world and teach all nations. That's what we're doing, but we need your help so we can do it more effectively. We need a new ministry home in Tulsa, and we need a new studio in Moscow where we can prepare teaching that people can trust. And I'm asking you today to ask the Holy Spirit if he wants you to be a part of the giving team to help us accomplish this expansion project. Ask him today, Holy Spirit, would you want me to be a part of this and do whatever he tells you to do as together we fulfill the great commission of Jesus in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. Well, today I've wrapped up my teaching on why we need the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And today is the last day we're offering you this series on the program, Why We Need the Gifts of the Holy Spirit. It's 10 parts. It comes in multiple formats. It will stir you up to desire a move of the Holy Ghost in your life and in your church. God wants you to operate in spiritual gifts. 
So please order your series, Why We Need the Gifts of the Holy Spirit, and it comes with a study guide. We're also offering you today for the very last time on the program, my book called Why We Need the Gifts of the Holy Spirit. By the time you're finished reading the last page of this book, you will be so equipped with new understanding about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and you'll know how to partner with the Holy Spirit so these gifts can explode in your life. Amen. And I want to remind you also that when you become a partner with our ministry, we will send you Denise's book, The Gift of Forgiveness, and my book, Life in the Combat Zone. And again, a partner is anyone who financially regularly supports this ministry so we can take this teaching to people all over the world that are crying out for the teaching of the Bible. And when you become a partner, you enable us to take this living water to people that are so thirsty for it. And my friend, please also let us know how to pray for you. You can order all these things or give us your prayer request by going online or by giving us a call right now. But Father, in the name of Jesus, help us to accommodate the move of the Holy Spirit in our lives and in our churches. You've given us the gifts of the Holy Spirit to bring the living reality of Jesus to us. And Holy Spirit, we ask you to move in us and we ask you to move in our churches in Jesus' name, amen. It's been so good to be with you. I look forward to Monday. But until then, remember Ecclesiastes 8.4, where the word of a king is, there is power.